0: My name is Yak, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so
1: you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. Wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to the Go Big to Give Big podcast. Today we have our good friend Malad Yek come on the show and he shares about how he is using e-commerce stores to give back to charity and how it is going to exponentially grow as the stores do. Milad is the CEO and co-founder of Now One Ventures, which is an e-commerce forward incubator that is building and managing multiple seven and eight figure online direct to consumer stores. But it wasn't all roses through Milad's entrepreneurial journey. I've heard Milad share his story multiple times, but on this episode, we get Milad to open up quite a bit about... The experience he went through in scaling a marketing agency to become one of the fastest growing agencies in his area, only to be hit with lawsuits, litigation, and eventually having to claim bankruptcy because of a bad business partnership. But what you will hear though, is as we go through the story, the skills he learned then are what he is able to use now to achieve the success he is having with his business today. And even though it hurt him pretty bad and he tears up a little bit in the episode, the lifestyle that he has now sounds way better by being a present father and able to enjoy life more with the way that he is building his business this episode has a lot of passion, excitement, and hits home the purpose of building a line item of giving into your business. So I hope you enjoy listening to our incredible episode with our good friend, Malad Yak. All right, we are excited to welcome our good friend to the show, Malad Yak. Thanks so much, man. We are excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, guys. It's It's been a crazy journey to watch each other grow and see where we're at and I love it. And I love being able to call you guys homies. We spent a lot of years together in a small, intimate, I'll call it mastermind group. There's about eight of us. And for, I think almost four or five years, we spent every single week together talking about business, talking about impact and talking about personal stuff in life. And I'm excited to share your journey of entrepreneurism and how you're using it to give back to our community. And I'd love to just start by hearing a little bit of you know, about your journey of becoming an entrepreneur. I know you had a pretty successful start and then had to face a lot of challenging decisions along the way and make a lot of pivots and go through a lot of growth uh, through there to get to where you are today. So I'd love for you to just walk us through that journey of starting to become an entrepreneur and how it shaped you to the guy you are today. Yeah, I think my journey in becoming an entrepreneur really
0: just started off as as a young kid. You know, I never been the conventional type, whether it was in school or even, you know, graduating after high school. There was even a point where, you know, I, I was very outgoing and I was like, how can I make money and still be able to go out? And so, you know, I feel like my very first entrepreneurial path started when I rented a, a big house and I rented out each of the rooms and then I would throw and host parties. On weekends and charge people to come in. And that is how I would make money and be able to have fun and host gatherings and get people together. But my first official business didn't start till uh, I was really in the, in the marketing world. I got into digital marketing shortly after some life challenges. And I've always been in sales and marketing and got into digital marketing and SEO. And it started in the, in the corporate world at, a, at the bottom of the ladder as a telemarketer. And through some cold calls and perseverance, I kind of moved my way up that that corporate world for the first couple of years. And from there, I remember my, my boss essentially having us, the, the sales guys, the closers, test out a certain business model. And we proved the concept. And after we proved the concept, he kind of came, pulled a couple of us aside and said, Hey, I'm going to send you to the Philippines to build this center out for me. I thought it was really cool. So I went out there and built it all out. I came back home and my girlfriend at the time was pregnant and I ended up getting laid off. My boss told me, Hey, thanks for your good deeds. And thank you for doing everything that you did and contributed, but it's, your job's done. And and so like any, I guess, deep down entrepreneur would, would do, I went home. And then I I just, rather than working at any other marketing company, which I knew I had offers and to work at any of these other companies, but instead I just picked up the phone and started cold calling different businesses off of Yelp, just one by one and and selling them marketing services and figuring it out later how to actually fulfill. I felt like I could create a company that was going to deliver better results to the end customer. And so rather than working at anybody else, I was like, this is the time for me to build my own company. And you scaled that, you scaled that company pretty big pretty big and very quickly. And, and the way, I mean, it went, it went from cold calling to getting a hundred square foot office, you know, a couple months, I think it was a month or two later going from a hundred foot square foot foot office, fitting four other people in there to getting a 1200 square foot office 10 months later. And then from there finding out one, one of the big competitors was about to, was getting a lawsuit and they were going to go through a layoff period. So I took a pretty big risk and Ended up getting an 8,000 square foot office and hiring about 40, 50 people right off the bat and ended up being at about at my peak. I was about, it was about two years later and I had close to 70, 80 people
1: working for me full-time. And at our peak, we had about 3,000 clients. Jesus, how, how, did, how did you manage that coming up? You know, obviously you had some experience working in corporate, but you've never probably ran in an, it and... Had to manage those amount of employees and and how did you learn how to do that? Obviously on the fly, but what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you scaled that fast with that many? There's a, there's a really good lesson in
0: it for sure. I I like to think I did my best, but I was never set up to I guess manage that many people, right? Like growing up and and being in the corporate world and different companies and looking at Google, I always wanted to build this big company. I was like so excited about being a CEO one day, right? I wanted to build this really cool office. And, you know, I, I remember watching movies like The Boiler Room, right? And some of the other sales movies. And it was so driving, right? Like I, I was so excited for it and wanted to build it. And and it all happened so quickly. Right. I, I managed teams before, but never having that many people in-house working for me so quickly. But part of it came down to just who I was in the industry, in the SEO industry, especially around Orange County, people knew who I was because of the rapid growth and acceleration from being who I was to moving up the corporate world and, you know, being part of the business development team and, and being sent out to the Philippines. So I moved my way up and some of the bigger companies really knew who I was. And obviously with that, some of the sales guys and closers and other people knew who I was from just my reputation in sales. So when this happened and they've learned that like I left these companies and I didn't want to work for these companies and I wanted to build my own agency, everybody I feel like just kind of stood back and just was watching me from behind the scenes. So I want to say once a day came where I ended up having this big office and I was offering a a crazy incentive as far as commissions and everything like that went, it was kind of a no-brainer where people kind of just believed in it and was like, yeah, I want to I go try it out. So that's kind of where it started. But as far as like leadership and everything goes, there was nothing that really I had done prior to it to set me up to that. And I think part of that also played into other things that
1: came later with it. So walk us through that. You, you had this massive agency, you're crushing it, you're on top of the world. And then what happens? Unfortunately,
0: when things were going really, really good, I had a unfortunate business partnership that fell through in the midst of all this and without going into like the nitty gritty of like all the things that happened, there were just certain allegations that came forward for him. And, uh, you know, I did my best as CEO to, to deal with it, but it just seemed like so much was happening so fast. And I know for anyone that's listening, if you've ever gone through litigation and lawsuits, it is draining. And I was left to make some really, really really difficult decisions and being the face of the company, unfortunately, when you deal with this stuff, it gives you a false representation of who you are. And I think it just made it really difficult for for people on the outside looking in to, I guess, you automatically kind of associate people in the wrong way. So nonetheless it just forced me to deal with this litigation. And then eventually I had to make a very difficult decision of laying a majority of my my team off. And then from there continuing to deal with litigation and then only being forced to shut my, my baby down. My, this business that I sacrificed so much to build, I had to shut it down and equally
1: file for bankruptcy. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. And I can only imagine what it was like at the time. And obviously you've come back now and, and you've got quite a comeback story, but at the time, like how was the ego check? You know, I imagine coming with being the hot shot, everyone wanting to work underneath you, stealing all these employees from all these companies and stuff, and then going through what you went through. How did your ego play out on that one? Everything was really broken down. The ego check, emotional
0: check, everything was there, right? I mean, I fought this for for a year and a half. I was dealing with it before being forced to shut the business down and, and file for bankruptcy. I had no association with my business partner during that time. I was just dealing with lawyers after lawyers. I had a lawyer that, you know, my first lawyer that I hired, just being scared. You know, I, I at the time, mind you, I was, I want to say 22 when I was dealing with all this, so it was very, very difficult. I was scared going through it. And the very first law firm I even hired ended up taking, you know, my first five thirty dollars retainer and running with it. So it was very challenging, but everything kind of really just ended up Kind of making me feel like broken down through it after it all it was all over, where all I could think about was just taking some time you know i didn't I didn't want to think about anything else, I didn't want to care for anything else. you know, I had my girlfriend at the time at home, I had my my first child at home, and just trying to wrap my head around this being it's maintaining still being a provider, but then equally just it was like my whole identity was gone, right like I was waking up and it was like, I would literally, I'll never forget. I would wake up in the mornings. I would have this blind stare to the world. And I would like, literally just go sit in the, in the, in the backyard and just sit there for hours and hours, just staring out. You know, it was,
1: it was very, very difficult. Ah, oh, I couldn't even imagine that. And we're going to come back and circle full circle here and talk a little bit about the seasons that you went through and stuff, but <laughs> I love to just hear, you know, where are you at today? Obviously you've come back, you've built a new business and you're having some success in it. Just walk us through quickly what things look like today for you and your business. Today, we are on track to end this year with our new business that we ended
0: up starting, my business partner, Greg and I, which is my best friend, him and I have known each other for like 15 years. And it took me a little bit of time to convince him to not be in the agency world, but finally he, you know, he had some faith in, in us and, and me and was willing to take that risk. And we got into e-commerce, we started our e-commerce business, uh, close to three years ago, about three years ago. And this year we're on track to hopefully be able to end the year with about 7 million in revenue, 7 to 10 million in revenue. That's incredible, duel. Congratulations on that. That is a big accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. It really is. And I'm, I'm proud of us and I'm proud of, you know, what we've managed to do. And I'm even more excited for the giving side of it. Like when I think about the whole go big to give big, right? It just, it excites me because it plays a part in it, right? As entrepreneurs, I think we're, we, we get excited to push those limits, right? Those levels. Once we accomplish a level, we're like, all right, let's, let's up this, right? And let's get to the next level. And it's exciting when, when as an entrepreneur, you're, building and you're accomplishing all these different levels with every level that you accomplish, that level of giving continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: Dude, we're gonna dive a little bit more into that here in a minute, but I want to rewind to something you said early in the show here, where you did some some cold calling. And that was basically your job for a little while. And I really do believe that that is one of the greatest and certainly one of the most like undervalued skill sets an individual can have, let alone an entrepreneur. Particularly, I'll say, like through your journey too. There sounds like there's been a number of different ups and downs, and any kind of entrepreneur's week is a roller coaster. And <laughs> you scale out, look at a year, it can be a total, a total mind def. But through that, I think with cold calling and door knocking and that type of sales role, you you, you build that resiliency muscle. Right. You're constantly being shut down. You're constantly being put on the fly to try to figure out how to solve a problem that's in front of you here today. Right. And that's a great, great skill for us as business owners and entrepreneurs to have. How were you able to adjust through some of those different seasons that you might've gotten from, you know, the, the door door, the, the cold calling, like, was there a skill that you got from that particularly that helped you deal with the ups and downs and the good, the bad, the ugly? I wanna say looking back
0: today, absolutely. I think when when you're in it in the moments, you don't realize it until time goes and experience builds. And I like to always like a, a reminder that I always have for myself is that it's never the end. Right. Like when you look back at every struggle, at every challenge, at every time that you dealt with something that was crippling, where you thought it was the end of the world, right? But then if you look back today, you managed to overcome that thing, right? And similar to cold calling, when you felt like you wanted to give up, right? When you felt like you weren't going to close that next call, when every single person that you call shuts them, you know, hangs up the phone on you or husses you out or, you know, gives you that no, I think a lot of it comes down to your attitude. Mm-hmm. And that's what one thing that I always tried to share with my team and my people was mm-hmm. your attitude plays such an important part in the results that you end up getting. If you can maintain a good attitude and keep a smile on your face and spread positivity, right? And have belief, then good things will come, right? It might not be, you know, the very next thing, right? The very next phone call, but it will come. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time. And that was always my, my conviction was like, I would, I, w- I had a goal every single day when I came to a cold calling, which was I would not leave the office unless I had, I had a minimum of 250 phone calls. I didn't care how long it took me. I'd hammer that phone because I knew that out of 250 phone calls, I'd get 15 people that was, that were willing to give me 20, 30 minutes to talk to them. All right. And I knew out of that, I would get two to three sales. So point is, I think it's a lot of it really just comes down to attitude and believing that you can. And so whether it's cold calling, whether it's even starting your business, which comes with a lot of its own challenges,
2: just believing in yourself and your capabilities and having a good attitude can can take you a long way. I think, you know, there's been a ton of talk, obviously, around global economic issues and recessions here in North America and all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, people might be feeling that stressor and, and different businesses, obviously, affected differently. Some might be hurting right now. What would you say to the people who might be hurting for a little while? Maybe they're still early in the startup and, and they've put on that smile and they've kept going and going and going, but they're hitting their head up against the wall time after time. They can't seem to kind of break through, but they keep putting on that smile. But then they start feeling a little bit about, this isn't me, like, this is not how I'm feeling right now. I'm not feeling like I'm smiley and happy and sunshine's puppies and unicorns on the inside. I feel like throwing this freaking laptop through the window. What would you feel to those people? Or sorry, what would you say to those people? I love that question because the answer that I'm going to give you today is very different than the answer I would give you
0: a couple of years ago, a few years ago, mm-hmm. not even a couple of years, but even longer than that. And a lot of that actually has to do with a lot of inner work and therapy. <laughs> Maybe mention <laughs> um, both then. The, the person several years ago would tell you to get over it and, and just keep pushing through it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the today, Malad, will tell you to acknowledge that feeling of yours because it's valid. And maybe just take a breather, right? Just take a step back, go outside for a walk, right? Go, go, go get that breather of yours, you know, maybe call a friend, right? It oftentimes, I believe those are just momentary feelings. They're not everlasting feelings. And what we end up doing is in that moment, we get stuck into it, right? And we just want to give up. We're like, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to work, right? But really, it's just a momentary feeling. It's temporary. Right. So if you just take a step back, go for a walk, right? Or go get a fresh. And I used to actually do this now that I'm talking about it. I I remember there were times where I would make those cold, cold calls and I would be struggling. And what I needed was to just go for a walk. Right. I needed to go for a walk or just surround myself with someone's good energy. I wouldn't I would never bring my negativity to someone else. Instead, I would look at the positivity and seed off of that positivity. And that would uplift me. That would bring me up. And that, that, that part actually has played a huge part in where I am today. Because as much as earlier I was talking about how I was struggling and, and my ego and everything where my, my own identity, my self-confidence, my belief, everything was destroyed and, and, my, and losing everything. It was me getting into communities. As hard as that was, I knew I needed to surround myself with better people. I couldn't be a victim, right? And surrounding myself with the right people was going to bring me out of that. And that's where I ended up going to my first, you know, meetup of entrepreneurs. I'll never forget how I felt that day, but I still pushed through it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a different world when you start surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded in that sense and who understand some of the challenges that we go through on a regular basis. And just having that kind of support has been, you know, incredibly helpful for me. I want to ask you a bit of a, Perhaps a complex question, but you know, you shared a little bit about the struggles in that early business of yours, you know, launching off, you know, having to file for bankruptcy and you've you've rebuilt. I'm sure there's been lessons along along the way to to be able to scale and and to create the systems and, and the success that you've been able to see here today. But one, was that your biggest challenge? Two, what was the key piece that got you through your biggest challenge? And three, do you still use that tool today?
0: I do. So obviously, the you know, my biggest challenge was definitely trying to rebuild the confidence that I can rebuild and I'm worthy of it because it's one thing to to also believe in yourself and, and your ability to be able to rebuild. It's another t- thing to also feel like you're worthy when you've actually gone and now laid off, you know, 70, 80 people that relied on you to put food on the table. And it, it, even talking about that right now kind of gets me a bit emotional. Because, Because it was it was really difficult. So many people relied on on me at the time. So having to make a decision like that was was brutal. Man, was brutal. So I think the worthiness was even harder than the belief in like I can do this. Mm -hmm. Is do I deserve to do this? And so after I started surrounding myself around people and just believing that I can and telling myself and and really I think from there it really stemmed to just being like. What do I want to build, right? How would I do things differently? And at the time, my daughter was one of the number one things that I, I thought about. My daughter, my girlfriend at the time, it was the number one thing that I, would, I thought about was how can I like spend more time with them, right? How can I spend more time with my, my daughter? Because when I was building my business, I missed out on a huge chunk of my daughter's life, she was young, and I'm trying to build this business. You know, their mom was, was at home just trying to raise our child equally dealing with, the, you know, the, its own tr- struggles and challenges that come <clears throat> from being a new mom. Right. And here I was spending 16 hour days at the office. Right. By the time I, I would leave early, be the first one in, but be the last one to leave. My daughter, I would miss her waking up sometimes and even being put to bed. So it was very challenging. So for me, it was, it was, how do I want to do things different? And so that's where the idea of, Really building a life around, or building a business around the life that I wanted, rather than building my life around my business.
1: I love, I love that, and I know you're doing an incredible job of that now. And I'd love for you just to share, like, what is the difference? Because I know now you don't have, you know, 80 plus employees, or you know, you know, you're not growing this massive company. You guys are doing it more internally and in a different way. So what does that look like now? And then after that, I want to pivot into the differences that you've gone through now with the for-purpose stuff and the, and the mission that's driven behind it. But from like a tactical standpoint, what is the differences now from then to, to where you are now? A lot of it was just being lean and mean, right? As much as I love people and I want to
0: create opportunities for people, I didn't want to, I guess, in a sense, lose my own identity, right? I think it's important to fill your own bucket before you start filling others, right? And so for me, filling my own bucket was checking off the things that were important to me, spending more time with my kids, right? Being able to travel, being flexible, those things were important to me. So as I was looking into different businesses and opportunities, I wanted something that would support that. And so e-commerce became the thing. And so as we were rebuilding the business, part of it was also, okay, let's figure out like, how can we, you know, when we got into e-commerce, we're like, we set up the store, Sold a product to somebody in the moment we heard that first cha ching. We're like, holy smokes, like we just sold something to someone somewhere around the world. We never saw this product and we never had to talk to this person. Like they saw an ad, they clicked it, they bought it. Holy smokes, this is really can be scalable. And we're like, this is it. And we started building on that. And from there, you know, a lot of it was like, okay, we're going to build this business. But one thing I had told my business partner, Greg, was, hey, let's figure out how to sell this. To people, right? Sell product. Let's figure out how to run these ads to people around the country and whatnot. But one of the first things we have to do as soon as we figure this out is add a reoccurring revenue model into our business. Because for me, having an agency and having that many clients, even when I was going through the thick of it and dealing with all the litigation and everything like that, we still had some clients that were paying every month, right? It took time before things started dwindling down and that income stopped. But that reoccurring revenue helped keep us going for, for a while. And if it wasn't for that, who knows where things would be, right? It could have been much, much worse. And so I learned that lesson of how important reoccurring revenue is for a business. And I said, we need to make sure we adopt this sooner than later. So you know, we spent some time really learning the whole e-commerce ecosystem, especially like owning your own brand. We don't do anything like on Amazon. We own our own store, our own in that sense. And so we're like, all right, let's figure this stuff out and then add the reoccurring. And then from there, how can we outsource as much as this possible and have a good team that can still do all the work that's necessary? And so even to this day, we're still building upon that, but we made sure like our customer service team, we hired a great customer service company that all they focus on is providing phone and email support to people in in this type of business, right? Even agents and things like that to work with. It was a lot of it was like, let's focus on hiring
1: the best people. How many employees do you guys have now? Is it just the two of you still, or do you actually have like employees underneath? No,
0: as of right now, it's just Greg and I, as far as business owners together. We have one virtual assistant. We have a team that does our marketing now. They're not employees, but they are part of our team internally. And then we have a call center, a company in in Las Vegas that deals with all of our phone support and email support and everything.
1: Incredible, man. Well, that's a little bit of a change of journey there, and it sounds like it's all for the good. And and it's awesome to see you back on your feet and, and happy. And I know we could spend an entire podcast just talking about the mindset you've built over the past few years and how you show up every single day for for people, for humans, for your kids, for everyone is absolutely incredible. And I know Steve and I both look up to you for for the dad that you are and the person that you've become. So I'll give you huge props there, man, because you're inspiring Thank a lot of good. people with that story. And I want to take a turn now and go into a little bit of the giving side. I know we obviously met through mutual community all about building Building businesses that give back. And I know that's been something that's inspired you to scale bigger and grow bigger as you shared early in this podcast. So just hit us with like, what has changed your mind from where you were with the agencies and even before that to now being the guy that wants to give back as an excited to donate and is building a business with the idea of making impact in the world? Like, where did that come from?
0: Okay. So that's a great question. He's uh, getting
1: fired up. Here we go. He's I, to I speak.
0: am because I, I think giving really is just, it really comes down to who you are as a person. The interesting part about this is when I was little and I was a little kid and my mom was around, I'll never forget holding her hand and we would walk places. And when we saw someone reach out for, for money for whatever it was, my mom would always give them money, right? Whether it was a dollar, $2, five bucks, we didn't have very much money to begin with, but it, it was always this giving mindset and that giving mentality really stemmed from, from my mom when I was a, when I was a young, young kid. And I also like to share that with my children, right? Because of the impact it made in my heart. Now, time goes, right? And as time goes, it almost, it's there, right? You just don't necessarily know it's there, right? I would go out and I would see people, I would still give them some money or see someone in need, I would, I would do what I can at the time, right? And there's many different ways of giving. But when I had my agency, right, I was so consumed into it. And after everything fell apart, as time went, we heard, I had heard about Thrive and it was all about making money matter and this concept of it. And I went to this, I went to the conference and my mind was just instantly like blown. And I had this light bulb that went up and I was like, man, I made a lot of money when I had my agency. Okay. I made a lot of money. I blew a lot of money away, but I still felt like there was this emptiness Right. You're just constantly trying to build this business. But what are you building for? Right. It's just constantly building, but you're only building internally. We'd make more and more money. But then it was like this kind of like this hamster wheel, right? That you're just going through. And I always felt like something was missing. So when I went to Thrive, this light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my gosh, Tom's shoes and all these other companies that Cole was pointing out. And you know, how you can build a business that's for purpose and make an impact. And I was like, I want to do this. This feels right to me. So I was like, all right, I made this vow. of like, all right, I want to build a business. Whatever I do, I want to have recurring revenue, but I also want to have a giving side of it, right? And however that giving side ends up being, whether it's a percentage of your profits or your money that you're making, whatever it is, like there's so many different ways to do this. And so, you know, now we managed to be able to roll this out in our business currently where every single month we're able to give back to an amazing... Mm -hmm
2: organization and a mutual friend of ours. And it's just phenomenal, you know, to see how that goes. And past fan favorite, Larry Tucker was on yes. our, our show just a number of weeks ago. How are you integrating that into your business now? Len? How my wife, I'm sorry. How are you integrating the give back component into your business with INH? So we, we've kept it simple where a percentage of our gross revenue every single month
0: is what we'll end up reading out. So every single month we run our numbers.
1: And based on our revenues, we end up giving a percentage of that away. I know when you guys a checkout page, you have a little something, something as well that inspires people to continue to give. And can you just share a little bit about that yeah. as well? So what we've done is essentially we've rolled it into, you
0: know, when people check out, they don't necessarily know that this is what we're doing, right? So once they complete the checkout, we let them know, hey, by the way, I know you didn't do this, but we did this on our behalf with your, you in mind. And so this is the organization. This is what we've done. And so we do a brief education and then we let them know, like, if they want to learn more, they can visit International Network of Hearts and, and learn more there themselves. Now, first it was just simplified and that's how it was. And we would educate them briefly and share them to go to the website. Now what we've done is we're setting some, some goals and we're creating dedicated pages where now what the, the customers can do is as we continue to contribute, we're actually going to have this little bar that increases. That shows like wh- how much we've contributed and our goal, end of the year goal, and what we're trying to accomplish as far as a forever home that we want to be
2: able to contribute and help build out for, for these children. The, the data person in me can't help but jump into this conversation right now. I'm really curious if you've seen it already, or if you will see it as that you know, web development happens, if web time per customer increased like site time for your own site since adding that little piece in, like, are people seeing, I'm just putting myself in a customer's shoes. I go online, I buy a shirt or a hat or some shoes or whatever I check out. I immediately close the tab and go back to whatever I was doing before. But if there's a piece on there that goes, oh yeah, by the way, we're helping, you know, save kids' lives. I'm gonna be like, what, I'm gonna gonna take an extra minute and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I'm gonna look into your business a little bit further. And I don't know if you have the answer now, but yeah.
0: Well, I can tell you this. So, when I did add the on the thank you page, so we figured, you know, when people complete a checkout, they want to just kind of review their order, make sure everything is correct, their address and whatnot. So, I make sure it's like right then and there, right? So, they know what we've done, their mm-hmm. logo and everything. And so, unfortunately, I can't see once people leave our site and, and go there. However, I can say that I have seen people stop. And because we we've managed to like look into you know screen recordings and see traffic behavior and what people do, we can see that they are stopping and reading that section. Hmm. And you know percentage of them do click over to continue to read more. Now, as far as having that dedicated page on our website, that is something that we're currently building out mm-hmm. um, that I'm very excited to, which is part of our next phase, right? which is now allowing people because we haven't even We've done so much of this behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is going to really like take off even more once our customers get to actually see how we give on a, on a deeper level, right? Because so much of it was just very much surface of like, Hey, here's the organization. This is what we're giving to. Here's the cause. Right. But now it's beyond that. Now it's this envision of this future home and this future forever home that we want to be able to build for these children. And there's architectural renderings right? of like what this home will look like and the land will look like and, and the walkways. I mean, it's very beautiful to be able to see that. And so I think that it takes the connection and the impact even on a deeper level, because it's not just such a you know, basic overview. Now you're getting into the details of like, hey, here's the vision. Here's what we're contributing to ourselves as well as you. And on that page, we're also going to allow people to be able to contribute more themselves directly.
2: I love it, dude. I also love that, you know, you had your mama's role model as a kid from, you know, showing you that giving is a good thing and, and you can help others. And, you know, that's built, built your character to who you are, who you are today. And I can relate to that as you know, if somebody didn't have that experience though, and they might be thinking like, maybe this is the first time hearing hear this podcast, this for whatever reason, you're taking their V card. And it's like, I don't even know what they even look like for me. Like, how would I even start to give? How would you recommend people like build initially that give muscle? I think, well, I had my mom
0: as my, as a role model when I was a kid. Right. (laughs) But I also lost my mom at a, at a young age. my mom passed away when I was 13 years old. And then I went down kind of like, I spiraled downhill and became a troublemaker for for some time. But as far as like role models themselves go, role models come in all shapes and sizes and ways. And when it comes to, you know, giving, I think it just comes down to your character. And I think a lot of it just also equally comes down to who you follow, who you look up to, what are they doing, right? I don't believe that your parents or your siblings need to be your only role models. Sometimes they're not, right? Some Sometimes family is not who you connect with and have that connection with. And that's okay. Family can come in different ways. Sometimes friends could be family. And equally, one thing I, I really admire about like social media is being able to connect and follow people that you want to look up to, right? A, a mutual friend of ours a long time ago said like, you know, create the 5.0 version of you. What does the 5.0 version of you look like? Right? And And I think when it comes to, you know, a lot of times we struggle with like identity things, right? Like, who am I? I think the better question is who you want to be and create that version of yourself. And with social media and Instagram, I think we can pick and choose who we want to follow. And there's a lot of really, really good people in this world. And we can choose to follow those people and see the examples that they set. And we can cherry pick the best qualities that we like in different people and, and plug them into our ourselves, you know, and they can be a role model for us in those ways. And I
1: think if we follow the right people and look up to the right things, everybody can be a great giver. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And that's something that I, Preach in a lot of my talks that I do where I I follow three particular people in various cases for specific reasons. So I follow Cole Hatter for business. The guy's incredible at business and he's passionate about giving back. I just follow him strictly for his business. I also follow him for how he shows up with his family. I follow Jesse Itzler for how he does life. Just not afraid to say no to anything. Just says yes to everything. Does the crazy stuff. I follow Charlie Rocket because he's just the most givingest person I've ever seen on this planet and is on this world tour to just give kindness. And so I just follow certain people specifically for certain qualities that I want to have in my life. And I don't follow much around them other than like. When do I see that point in their social media? And how can I implement that into my life? Where can I steal that from and put it into my life? So I love that you brought that up. And before we jump into our last little bit of giving rounds here, I had a quick question for you. I saw you getting really excited and passionate about this business you're creating. You're supporting my age. I'm getting fired up now. I'm like, this is this is it, man. This is why we build businesses. I'm fired up. Like this is why we do it. So how is it? How is it exciting you right now? Like, what difference is that doing in your business? Where you're like. Man, Greg, it was fun. We're doing, you know, 7 million this year. That's cool. But we're, we, we could take this to 20 million and build that house. Like, how has that excitement changed inside your business from just making profit and having fun to adding that giving component and having to push yourself to a whole new level to accomplish that goal?
0: Yeah. It's when, when it kind of like goes back to what I was saying earlier, where you see those renderings, you see what it could be and what it can be. And, you know, some things are out of your control, right? Like I can't control the legalities when it comes to the land and the contracts and the agreements and any of those things, right? That it's a team effort. But what I can say is when we see those renderings and when we see what it can do, and equally when it comes to Larry's organization, it's like, we've been there. We've played with those kids. You know what I mean? We've hung out with them. We've seen the impact that they've had on these children hands-on, right? firsthand, we've got to experience this and see that. And so when, when you have such a, you know, close tie and you've managed to see what can be done, and when you've seen like, okay, you know, Mexico, when we go out to Mexico and Tijuana and all these other places, when we get to see the life that they live and how happy they can be, you know, with very little, mind you, you know, it just makes you want to do more and wait, okay. Another one. One thing that really stands out to me is about about a month ago, I went to I I participated in this organization called Baja Bound, and we went out there and we built a house for this mom and her four four children that were essentially abandoned by their father, and you know they became homeless. And this mom did everything in her power. And they don't make very much money there, very very little money. And I think to buy the land, it was like four thousand dollars or something like that. This little plot of land, and Mind you, they make like, it was like a hundred something dollars a week, right? And this mom saved and saved and saved every last dime that she could to be able to get this land, right? And this Baja Bound organization is a wonderful organization that as long as you own the land, they, they you know, you can file and they will, will come, come build a house for you, right? And so I went there and just to be able to see... Like where they were in this little cardboard box that this family of, you know, four was living in to, you know, within two days building this house, you know, for them, hands on. And seeing that transformation was incredible, right? To see that, you know, the, the, the quality of life just shift and change overnight. And so when you think about even INH, right? The experience that these children had before INH came in, Right versus where they are today with INH involved and where they can be when that forever house comes in, where you have stability now from far beyond, that stability is so important and that is what we're striving for.
2: I love those stories, man. And I'm gonna ask you for one more. Is there, I guess maybe tell, tell us quickly about a story that when you think back onto, might not be the biggest check you ever at, might not be the most profound moment for you know, the receivers, but it's the one most profound moment for you that still gives you goosebumps and just pulls every heartstring you got. So not long ago, there, I want to bring up INH again. So INH had a
0: gala and just this, this was maybe four months ago, three, four months ago, something somewhere around there. They had a gala, in new people. And Greg and I were super excited to be able to participate and go to this. And at this gala, part of the intention at that gala was to raise funds for this forever home. And, and we're there, you know, we're like, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to donate some money and, and contribute and whatnot. And as we're there, it was, it became this like feeling of alignment with what Greg and I, that we had, that it was one look, all it was, it was just like one look. And, you know, this year, we've been very fortunate that things have really like changed for us, you know, we all go through different seasons and it's crazy to think even a, a little over a year ago where we were in our business versus where we are today. I mean, it's a night and day difference. And him and I just had this look, we just glanced. He was sitting to my right, I was sitting down, I look at him, he looks at me. And we're like, we're in a better place today, let's do this. So we ended up reading right then and there, it was an extra $10,000 on top of everything that we did. We're like, hey guys, we wanna, we wanna, you know, Donate $10,000 to this. And it was just such a like, liberating feeling to be in that position and be in that moment and be able to do that. It was, it felt really, really good. And equally at that same moment, we made it, we made this commitment that whatever it takes, like we're going to do this. And, and every single month, we're going to make sure that we're contributing consistently for that
1: forever home. Dude, that's so special. And I know it's hard to follow that up because that's just so, I know, I just know that moment. I know that exact moment, Steve and I have had a few of them where you just look at someone and you're like, "This is it, dude. This is why we do business. This is the whole reason." And in that moment, nothing else matters. It's like, man, ten thousand dollars to them is life changing. Literally, they're saving lives with that money. And to you guys, it's a you know a, a weekend trip to to Miami type thing, right? So it's such a small amount of money in the grand scheme of things for such a huge impact for such a charity. And I just am so glad to call you my friend and somebody to look up to, to continue to aspire to build business like you're doing it and just live life the way you're doing it. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And with that, we're jumping into our giving round, bro. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Rapid fire, quick answers, brag on one charity that you like. I and ace, man. <laughs> What gets you more excited? Donating a million dollar check or spending a week
2: physically helping others? Ooh, I love giving my time, you know? So
0: money's easy to give, but the, the feeling I had when I was part of that building that house was just next level. So I, I love being able to take some time and give that because I think that time to me is the most valuable thing. Yep. Beauty. Who inspires you with their giving? Who inspires me
2: with their giving? Larry Cole. These guys really have inspired me in a massive way. When starting off a business, do you think they should incorporate giving from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? I would be more of an advocate of start building some success and consistency before you start
0: giving. Because if you start giving too soon, it might actually deplete you from being able to give long-term.
1: Great answer. When you hear the term go big to give big, what does it mean to you? I guess I would say it circles back to what I mentioned earlier on, which is
0: as entrepreneurs, we're always increasing those levels. And as we continue to level up, our level of giving continues to increase as well. So, you know, to me, go big, do better in business, continue to accomplish bigger challenges and bigger
2: obstacles. And with that, continue to give bigger than you've ever given before. Holding dear all of these wonderful stories you've been able to share with us here. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give.
1: Liberating. Um, Yeah. I think it's a new one. Awesome, dude. And the final question, the age old question, you've heard this one before, but I'm excited to hear your answer on it. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I believe that money is a magnifier to
0: who you are and what you can accomplish. And so. With that being said, I think it can also amplify the feelings that you get, especially when it comes to giving and doing things that can make you happy. Right. Some people like to travel, some people like to do fun activities, giving back, whatever it is. You know, money is is plays a part in all of those experiences.
1: Man, I am so grateful we brought you in as a as a guest today, to just share because was there's just so much excitement, passion and and I can just tell, dude, you are going to do some incredible things in this world. And I'm sure anyone that's in e-commerce is probably going to want to reach out to you and learn what you've done because you're becoming an absolute just legend in the industry for how you guys are building your businesses, the way you're doing it differently. So uh, break on yourself for a sec. Where can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Where can they get involved in the stuff that you're doing?
0: The best way to get in touch with me is Instagram. My handle is Milad, M-I-L-A-D-Y-E-K one underscore. There's a couple of fake ones on there with multiple underscores that are trying to sell FeeFix and Bitcoin, but yeah. that's not me. So if you see some highlights in the, in the profile, that's me, Melodyek underscore.
1: That's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can get bigger with our profits, man. It's been a pleasure and I'm just continuously grateful for our friendship. It really has been a pleasure. Thank you both for having me. Love y'all. Thanks, buddy. We love you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you helps us grow our message and in return allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.